Section 27 of Narratives of Colored Americans. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Narratives of Colored Americans by Abigail Mott and M.S. Wood. Katie Ferguson, or What a Poor Colored Woman May Do. About the year 1774, Katie Ferguson was born. Her mother was a slave, and was taken from her young child and sold to another master. Uneducated and unaided in her parental duties, this poor Christian mother had been faithful to the extent of her abilities, and left upon the mind of her child indelible religious impressions. Katie, in speaking of this cruel separation, many years afterwards, said, Mr. B. sold my mother, and she was carried away from me, but I remember that before they tore us asunder, she kneeled down, laid her hand upon my head, and gave me to God. Katie's active mind sought every opportunity of acquiring knowledge. Her mother had taught her much that she herself remembered of the scriptures. Other persons had taught her the catechism, and her retentive memory seldom lost what had been committed to it. In her fifteenth year, the Holy Spirit applied to her conscience and heart the truths of Scripture, which she had thus received. But when awakened to a perception of her sinfulness, she felt the need of some kind counselor. Neither master nor mistress had ever encouraged her to communicate her thoughts on religious subjects. The minister on whose services she attended, Dr. John M. Mason, was a man of such a commanding figure and bearing as to inspire her with fear rather than confidence. Yet she knew he was a faithful servant of Christ, and that he would care for her soul. She accordingly ventured to call on him. She remarked afterward, While I was standing at the door, after having rung the bell, my feelings were indescribable. And when the door was opened, and I found myself in the minister's presence, I trembled from head to foot. One harsh word or look would have crushed me. But this faithful minister of Christ at once appreciated her solicitude, and in the gentlest manner inquired, have you come here to talk with me about your soul? This kind reception at once relieved and encouraged her to open her whole heart. The interview was blessed of God to her conversion. And from that day, her course was remarkably direct and upward. She was, in a word, an earnest, self-denying follower of Christ. At the age of eighteen, by the aid of friends, she was made a free woman, and very soon afterwards married. But her husband and children did not live long. She lived in a part of the city where there were many very poor families, and many of both colored and white children who had none to care for their bodies or souls. Some of these she took to her own home and taught them to take care of themselves, and for others she found places where they would be provided for. In this way, during her life, 
she secured homes for 48 of these neglected and suffering ones, thus anticipating one of the benevolent movements of our time. But her concern for the spiritual welfare of those around her was especially manifest, and in most appropriate ways. She invited the children to come into her house every Sabbath day for religious instruction. Feeling her own incompetency to instruct them fully, especially as she was herself unable to read, she obtained the assistance of other Christian people in this work. The well-known Isabella Graham thus aided Katie by occasionally inviting her little flock to come to her own house. Thus Katie's labor of love went on for some time, unobserved for the most part, even by Christian people, but not unnoticed by God. He smiled upon her, and as he often does in the case of humble effort like hers, made her little school on the Sabbath the beginning of a great and good work in that city. It was about this time that the house of worship on Murray Street, in which Dr. Mason preached, was built. This good man of God had not forgotten Katie, the trembling inquirer. Having heard of her Sabbath assembly of children, he went one day to see what she was doing. As he entered her lowly dwelling, and looked around upon the group of interested, happy-looking faces, he said, with his wonted kindness, What are you about here, Katie? Keeping school on the Sabbath? We must not leave you to do all this. He immediately conferred with the officers of his church, telling them what he had seen, and advising that others should join Katie in this good work. Soon the lecture room was opened for the reception and instruction of Katie's charge. This was the beginning of the Sabbath school in the Murray Street Church, and Katie Ferguson, the colored woman who had been a slave, is believed to have thus gathered the first Sabbath school in the city of New York. But Katie's benevolent heart was not satisfied with this effort for the good of children. She established and maintained, during the last forty years of her life, a weekly prayer meeting at her house, and during the last five years of her life, when she could not attend the public service of divine worship, she made her own house a Bethel on Sabbath afternoons, by gathering the neglected children of the neighborhood, with such others as did not attend at any place of public worship, and obtaining some suitable person to lead in the service of prayer and praise. The cause of foreign missions was also dear to Katie. On one occasion, a young man who was about to sail for Africa as a missionary was invited to attend a meeting at her house. Three years afterwards, on speaking of this man and his associate missionaries, she said, for these three years I have never missed a day, but I have prayed for those dear missionaries. The question may occur to some persons. Where did this poor woman procure the means of doing so much good, clothing children, and assisting missionaries? Uneducated as she was, she possessed extraordinary taste and judgment. Of a truly refined nature, 
she appreciated the beautiful wherever found. Hence, a wedding or other festival in some of the best circles of New York could scarcely be considered complete unless Katie had superintended the nicer provisions of the table. She was also uncommonly skillful in the cleaning of laces and other fine articles of ladies' dresses. This constant demand for her services must, however, be likewise traced, in part, to the great esteem in which she was held, and to the desire to furnish her the means of continuing her useful Christian labors. She was a cheerful believer, occupied less in complaining of her own deficiencies and her troubles, or boasting of her attainments, than in commending her Redeemer to others, and in trying to imitate His active benevolence. Thus was this beloved disciple ripening for heaven. And when death, in that fearful disease, the cholera, came for her, she was ready, and calmly expressed her Christian confidence by saying, Oh, what a good thing it is to have a hope in Jesus! Her last words were, All is well. Poor Pompey. An old African who had long served the Lord, when on his deathbed was visited by his friends, who came around him lamenting that he was going to die, saying, Poor Pompey! Poor Pompey is dying! The old saint said to them with much earnestness, Don't call me Poor Pompey. I King Pompey referring to Revelation 1, verse 6, and hath made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. End of section 27 Read by Andrew Kennedy